Well, thank you and good morning, folks. It's so great to uh, be sharing this time together and welcome to uh, our conservatory. And uh, I just want to say it's uh, been a weird old time, hasn't it, really, just uh, being in lockdown and not being able to connect this way. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is forever creative. And, and aren't the team doing a great job providing this online element? And uh, it's good to see you again. There's some really awful haircuts out there. Uh, yeah, well, we'll move quickly on. We'll move quickly on. Well, Mark has asked me to uh, speak on the last of this uh, series, Acts, uh, sorry, ste Ready, Steady, Acts, better get it right, you know. And uh, we've been looking at uh, a number of topics, and last week, you know, we were talking about being together, and of course, we're having to be very creative about the way we are being together. And uh, this is a great way of doing it, isn't it? So today I'm going to read out of Acts uh, chapter 3 and uh, share a few thoughts and hopefully that will be a blessing. And more than that, I hope that it'll bring glory to Jesus and that it'll move the church on. We're, we're not just treading water. I think for a time all of us felt as if we were, life was on hold and we were treading water. But in fact, that's not the case. There are new and creative ways to uh, be reaching out. So Acts chapter 3. And uh, let's just read the text. I'm going to do it in two blocks. The first one is, is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And I'll say a few things about that and then a second part. Okay. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple in the, the time of prayer at about three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man that used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had, what had happened. Now, this is possibly one of my favorite stories in the scriptures, in, in, in the, certainly in the New Testament. And what I love about it is the boldness. I am always challenged and shocked by the boldness of Peter and John in that moment. Silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give you. And I have found myself coming back to that over and over again during the course of my life in ministry and, and being provoked by God to, to be bold. And I'm going to say a bit more about that later on, but, but just hold that thought. But I also love the story. It reminds me actually of a friend of mine who, uh, when I was on staff at Anaheim Vineyard many years ago, there was a guy there called Pastor Jerry. And he had been an LA cop. And one New Year's Eve, he was hit by a drunk driver and paralyzed from the waist down. Well, needless to say, he, uh, he had to give up his job as a policeman 
and uh, he actually didn't do too well. He w became an alcoholic, he was into drugs, uh, in a wheelchair, stuck at home in a very miserable state. And he used to have a terrible time trying to sleep. One night he was sat in his, uh, uh, I think they call them fun room, comfort room or something, and uh, he was channel surfing. And he came across one of these TV evangelists. Just as the TV evangelist said, okay, folks, you know what happens next. I want you to lean forward and put your hand on my hand. And as you do, the power of God is going to surge through you and heal you. The accent is me, not the bloke. Well, anyway, my friend Jerry, he for some reason, it can only be God, just had the most incredible urge to lean forward and put his hand on the TV. And as he put his hand on that televangelist's hand, this incredible bolt of whatever hit him, threw him literally back across the room, and he was instantly healed. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he got up and he walked. Just before I move on, let's have a bit of fun. I'm going to just raise my hand here. And for those of you who have faith, uh, and, and if you don't have faith for this, if you just think it's Pastor Chris being a bit weird, that's fine. That's, uh, I'm always a bit wide, weird, weird. Ask my wife, you know. But if you'd like to do that, just lean forward now and just place your hand on mine or touch my hand. And I believe those of you who do that in the faith, in the name of Jesus, are going to experience a healing touch. So, there you go. There you go. Feel the power of God. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, be healed. Bless you guys, and well done you, well done. God bless you. Okay, a lot of you are thinking, Chris has finally lost his, uh, his marbles, but those of you who have experienced a touch from God, a healing touch, do uh, send a message into Mark and encourage him and encourage us all. Bless you. So anyway, just going back to the story here, uh, these are the same guys that only you know, moments ago were in an upper room with the door locked for fear of the authorities. But the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they find extraordinary boldness. Now, I think it's really worth emphasizing that right at the start of this little message because so often, you know, we associate the gift of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues or spiritual gifts or uh, you know, prophecy, or, or healing. But actually, the main thing that the Spirit of God gives us is boldness. Boldness to speak about Jesus. And all that the healings are, all the healing that you have just received is about, is, is about bringing glory to Jesus. It's a sign and a wonder. And as we'll see in just a moment, as, as I read the rest of this story, the people are amazed. And this healing generates 
questions. This healing generates um, amazement. This healing generates questions about who is this Jesus? And that's the purpose for healing, signs and wonders. You know, it's not just God being nice and kind. And of course he is, he's nice, he's kind, he's loving, he's all of those things. But we in the 21st century in Western you know, cultures have played down the signs and the wonders element. We don't call it that, we just call it a healing. Which is one reason why many people who get healed, it's a very personal thing. They don't want to talk to people about it. They don't want to tell people it's just something that God has done for them. It's something personal. You know, and whilst I understand that, whilst I understand that, actually, that's something to beware of. When God heals us, when God touches our life, it's something to be shared. Don't worry if you've got the right theology or you've got it the right way round. Just tell others in your sphere of influence, just tell others what God has done for you. And there's a number of stories in the scriptures where, you know, uh, People are healed by Jesus and they say, I don't know, ask Jesus. You know, the, you know, the, the, the man who was raised, who, who was a lame man and pulled to his feet and, got, and Jesus healed him. You know, when the authorities quizzed him, he said, don't ask me, you know, you're the experts. All I know is that I, I could not walk and now I can. Or the blind man said, I could, uh, all I know is that I could not see, but now I can see. That's all you've got to do. You know, don't get in a sweat. Just be bold and tell others about what God has done for you and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Let's go back to the story now and read on. And uh, what, what follows now is uh, Peter, bless him, taking the opportunity to expound the gospel. And, uh, you know, some of you are, are good at that. You can gossip the gospel all day long. Others of you couldn't do that. You know, you couldn't do that if somebody paid you a million pounds. It's just uh, too much. We're not saying that. What we're saying to you, what I'm saying to you, is simply tell others about what God has done for you. So... Let's read on. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, and ladies too, I'm sure, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has been made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, 
saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wonderful. Repent then, turn to God, that times of refreshing may come to the Lord. You know, uh, that verse there has particular significance to me and to many people, actually, I imagine, because uh, how many years ago was it? Uh, 16, 17 years ago, uh, I and a team from St. Albans Vineyard went to the Czech Republic, excuse me, and uh, it was a ministry team, a team we, we, we did street drama in those days, believe it or not. Uh, we preached in market squares. We, we, it was a, a tour that had been arranged by the church in, in the Czech Republic, and, and we had a wonderful time. And uh, one of the notable things about this was that we saw many people healed. In fact, the, the wildest and most wonderful of nights was in this little village where um, we set up and nobody, nobody turned up. And we thought, oh boy, this is, this is going to bomb. But anyway, after about 20 minutes, we, we decided to worship. We had a band with us. We had our worship pastor, Graham Ward, and, and in fact, Sam was there and various other team members, Linda Hall. And um, so we started to worship and then some kids came in and what we didn't realize was that they were Romanids, they were gypsy kids. And no sooner had we started that they were sort of dancing and stuff like that, it was kind of fun. Uh, and then some of them went off and then they brought back uh, a number of adults, all Romanids. And, you know, rather like uh, in the UK, gypsies, and Roman is have a bad reputation. Anyway, we we took advantage of the opportunity. Those are the people God sent us, and so we shared the gospel and we we preached, and a number of people responded to that. And then we said, let's pray for people, and we started praying for people, and we realized that God was in the house. God was on the move. God was bringing glory to Jesus, because people started getting healed, and there was this drunk guy that came in this was about now he was very drunk and one or two of the guys kind of sort of part time kind of contain him at the back or whatever but he seemed to be kind of interested anyway it, it turned out that he was deaf he was he was deaf I think he was deaf in one ear and had some hearing in the other anyway we prayed for him and God came upon him in power. Uh, he was instantly sober and instantly healed. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd seen some pretty crazy things up until that, but that was just amazing to me and amazing to us. Well, what's that got to do with this text? Well, suffice it to say, when we got back to St. Albans, we were, I, I was just buzzing, wanting to tell the church about what we'd seen God do and how the team had done and you know the, the, the Holy Ghost stories of, of what we had you know experienced together 
And on the morning of the Sunday that I was going to be sharing this sort of testimony of what God had done, God woke me up very early and he gave me Acts chapter 3, verse 19, that, that passage, you know, repent and turn from your sins and God will send times of refreshing. And I didn't, I knew he was wanting me to teach on this and I heard repent and you know turn from your sins and I didn't really hear much about the times of refreshing but but the Lord gave me three topics to talk upon three issues that he was wanting to speak to God's people in order to prepare their hearts for what he was going to do then all I knew was I was all fired up wanted to tell these great stories but God was talking to me about sharing a message of repentance and I thought oh I don't want to do that Anyway, needless to say, I came round, and so the three things, as I recall, I should have thought about this a bit earlier, but the three things were grumbling, uh, tithing, and, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, undermining leadership. And I thought, oh God, I didn't want to share that. But the Lord was really impressing me to do this. And so over the next three weeks, I taught on each of those topics. And it was a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing when you're the senior pastor to teach about undermining leadership, you know, for example. It's not easy to talk about tithing, you know, and then grumbling. I mean, what, what a great, I, I thought this is going to enter the church. And so I got up that morning and uh, said to the church, you know what, folks, uh, we just had this great ministry tea trip to the Czech Republic. There's so many stories I want to tell you, but... Uh, that's going to have to wait because God has impressed upon me the need to do this. And so uh, that was what I did over the next three weeks. It was hard. It was, uh, I didn't, I, every week was a struggle. And I was just sort of, oh gosh, you know, I just felt bad. And, you know, the people were very subdued. And it was just, who knows whether I did a good job or not. Now, what happened on the fourth week was extraordinary because on the fourth week the Lord again in, in my woke me up early and said now prepare for times of refreshing and I hadn't really thought about that I hadn't any hadn't really reflected upon that at all and I, I had no idea what that was going to mean but I did know that God was going to do something extraordinary well, that morning went to church and my associate pastor, Tony Cook, rang up to me and said, we've just had this amazing time. As you know, I've been a week's holiday. We went to Anne Long's church up in York. That was a vineyard church and the crazy things happened. I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll preach and then you come up and you do the ministry time and let's see what God will do because he said he's going to send time for refreshing. Well, that's exactly what we did. And God came in the most extraordinary power. And people were falling around and people were laughing and it was just hilarious in the most wonderful of ways. And people's lives were touched and people were healed. And the next, next three to four months were some of the most joyful, happiest times in the church. And it turned out to be a national move. But God had wanted to prepare our hearts for his new, fresh move. Now, as I came to prepare this talk, and Mark gave me the text, um, 
I just felt that I wanted to speak about boldness. I mean, the boldness in that passage, not just in Peter and John's healing of the man, you know, that boldness to, to reach out to him, but also the boldness, the way they spoke to the people, a message that they needed to hear that was God's prompting. And I think it's worth us all asking, what do our neighbours need to hear at this time? If that story about what God has done for you moves on to, you know, what is happening today? What is God up to with our neighbours over a coffee, hopefully over a beer, if, if the, you know, Boris lets us go to the pub again. But uh, don't let that worry you. <laughs> and... Um, but, but if, the, if the conversation progresses, what is it that God is saying to us? What is happening and what is God doing with us as a nation? Well, I really believe he's humbling us. He has humbled the whole of the Western world for all our pride and all our progress and all of our achievements. A little itty bitty virus can bring us to our knees almost instantly. You know, we are, we are breaths away, minutes away, they say two weeks away from anarchy at any given time. What we see that seems so permanent is very fragile. And for the church, it's time to stop being paralyzed. It's a time to seek God's face and prepare ourselves for whatever else he has in store for us. I was thinking this morning, I, I thought about just telling that story about, you know, repent and turn, you know, turn from your sins and time will to refresh, refreshing will come. And I, I, I asked the Lord, well, so what would that be? What would the message be for us today? And the Lord just gave me three things quickly. I, I want to say that um, every preacher wants to preach upbeat messages. We want to be liked. But the truth of the matter is that that's not what we're called to. We, we have an audience of one. And the audience is God. It's his good pleasure by which we function. It's a bit like Billy Graham. He was once, you know, the great evangelist, he was once uh, accused almost of being a mass evangelist. And I think most people understood that that's what he was. But he said, oh no, oh no, I am not a mass evangelist. When I preach, I am speaking to the one. And that was just speaking to the Lord and also speaking to the individual in those huge crowds. That's how he saw himself, interesting. So preachers preach for God's uh, blessing and benefit and glory. But the three things I felt the Lord said was, first of all, he said, uh, speak to self-righteousness. You know, self-righteousness is where, it is all about comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as the next man, or I'm better than the next woman or I'm doing a better job. And it's always been one of the besetting sins of the religious person. 
falling into that self-righteousness. And I invite you to do some time with God saying, is that me? I think probably like me, you would say, no, that's not me. But then I think you need to ask again and listen, listen to the small voice. Are we self-righteous? Are we feeling that we are, we enjoy God's favor because we are good? That's dangerous. I love that little phrase in one of Samuel's songs, I'm a sinner saved. And one of the things that God's been doing with me over the last two years is, is impressing upon me the fact that I'm a sinner saved. You know, it, it would be easy for me to, uh, to be honest, and I'm being very self-disclosing here, to rejoice in God's presence because of what God has done through my family's life over the last 30 years. And, you know, in founding St. Albans Vineyard and uh, planting many churches out of that who've planted many churches. And, you know, uh, I, I'm grateful for that opportunity God gave me. But what I have had to work on is I cannot afford to go into God's presence carrying that as my banner because it doesn't cut it. I'm a sinner saved. And it's that that I need to grasp hold of. So self-righteousness. Folks, for some of you, this will just go whew, But others of you, this is what you need to hear. There's a little bit of pride creeping in and it's all about comparison. The second thing is self-pity. Self-pity is, is very self-centered. There is always some justification. There is always some wrong or some hurt. But what happens is we feed it. We feed it. You know, I've been baking sourdough bread and you have to feed it. You have to put flour and water in every day to keep that starter alive. Well, we start with this little kernel of pain, of injury, of heart, of, of hurt or harm, often inflicted by another. And then it's really the sin of isolation, which of course is something that many of us have had to be dealing with. You know, we've begun to feel sorry for ourselves and worse. Self-pity isolates. It even stops us from reaching out. Isn't that crazy? What we need is to reach out and to have the support of others and the prayer of others. But um, it stops us doing that. You know, the enemy always divides. But as the book of Ephesians so wonderfully reminds us, you know, Christ has come to bring all things together. So we need to reach out and we need to repent of self-pity. It doesn't matter how, how badly treated you have been. And I, I have to say to you, I, you know, 30 years in this job and there have been some things that, quite frankly, I and my family were very badly treated over. Uh, it's just a fact. Uh, but you cannot dwell on that. You've got to forgive and you've got to do everything you can to move on. And you've got to repent to self-pity. You've got to call out to Jesus and allow him to minister to you. And the third thing is really the same old, same old as that, that thing that uh, God spoke to me about 16 years ago or whenever it was. And that's the whole business of money, our attitude to money. 
our attitude to tithing, our attitude to the things of God. You know, especially when times are tough like this, it's so easy to bump God down to the very last in line. And that is a dangerous, a dangerous thing to do. We really do need to master money. We really do need to understand that for every single one of us, God's blessing is not just for us. It's to be passed on. And tithing and giving is a wonderful way of passing on. Now, I'm not going to be so bold as to say, excuse me a moment. Monty, be quiet. Sorry, that's the dog. He, I think he was agreeing with me. That was an amen in, in dog language. I'm not actually saying that I think uh, if you do this and over the next three weeks, God is going to send a time of refreshing in three weeks. I, 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 I'd like to believe that's true. I'm not quite in that place. But in terms of these strange times that we're in, we really do need to examine our hearts, not just be forever looking for distraction or comfort. This is an opportunity for us to go deep. And I encourage you, you know, to think about those three things. Encourage you to seek God about self-righteousness. I'm better than the next man, or I'm doing better than him, or I'm not as bad as. That is, those, that's the language of self-righteousness. Secondly, the language of self-pity, and that's nobody's got it as bad as me, nobody understands. You know, that person, that spouse, that friend, that relative, that boss has got it in for me. You know, stuff happens and God calls us to overcome. And then thirdly, our attitude to money, if we've a lot, if we've a little, let's put money in its place and let's, you know, let's uh, allow God to reign and rule in our life in a wonderful way. Now, to, to bring this thing to land, as Mark is fond of saying, and hasn't he done, isn't he doing a great job, you know? I sleep well at night because God gave us a great senior pastor in Mark, truly. But uh, as I bring this thing into land, if we can do our own housekeeping, what that generates in us is humility and confidence confidence in the name of Jesus to do things. One of the reasons we are not used as much as perhaps we would like to be is that there's a, an insecurity, there's a fear, a fear of man. Maybe that's something you need to uh, think about and repent of. But what happens is that we feel undermined, we feel as if God is not going to is not, cannot be dependable not that he isn't dependable but but because we are in some way deficient if we can work through to that place of just knowing that we're a sinner saved and that god still empowers us and 
wants to use us to bring him glory. And that's what it's all about. Remember, signs and wonders is about bringing glory to Jesus. This kingdom thing is all about bringing glory to Jesus. Just as Peter did in that, you know, those temple courts. So we are called to do in our situation with the, you know, with the, the uh, technology that we have. We're here to bring glory to Jesus. And so we find ourselves in that place of, of just uh, finding a new, new position before God, a, a, re a reality. We haven't got to justify ourselves. We haven't got to be afraid of condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And in that place, we find ourselves with a new holy boldness. Not because of what we are, but because of who he is. And we find that we can walk across the room to that friend, that neighbor, that relative, that workmate, that colleague who's hurting. We find a new confidence to share our story, not because, as some have said, you know, it's just not important enough, it's not big enough, it's not interesting enough, it's not dy dynamic enough. It's not about that. It's about you having the conviction that yes, you may be a sinner, but you're a sinner saved. And as such, you've got something to share, something wonderful to share. So think on, wonder at the boldness of the, of the early apostles and disciples, of those who've gone before. Ask God to give you a holy boldness. Think on that little passage, repent, and turn from your sins and God will send times of refreshing. That sounds exciting. Whatever it's going to look like this time, I want in. So think through those things. Self-righteousness, self-pity. Amen, brother. And uh, that whole business of how we, are, how we view our money. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you to you for this opportunity to share with folk, ask your blessing with them. Thank you, Lord God, that I believe there's been true connection this morning in the Spirit through this wonderful technology. I ask your blessing upon those you've touched and healed, those who you've spoken to. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us, that we would repent, not just say sorry, but turn from our sins. And that, Lord God, you would send times of refreshing. God bless you folks. Lovely to spend this time with you. Have a great day.